put God first and we thank you for being here today. I want to share a couple things before the, the message. Uh, one is Super Bowl Sunday. Or actually, we call it Football Sunday because of legalities. Um, but Football Sunday on, on uh, February 12th. I know that there's a certain team that some of you are rooting for, but I mean, I can't help but see a Bengals jersey out there today. What kind of guts do you have to be here today? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's Trevor. That's awesome. Hey, for the rest of you, um, you know, some of us don't have a team. We don't have a dog in the fight. And so, uh, but uh, whether you have a dog in the fight on February 12th or not, it's going to be a great day to invite your friends. We don't do football Sunday. Just have fun. We like to have fun. We believe Christians should have the most fun, but we do it as well. I mean, there's food, there's fun, there's games, there's different things going on before and after the service. Uh, it's going to be a fun day. We're actually going to take a little break from our message series that we're in, have a standalone message that day, probably be a few more sports illustrations that day than others. And so if you don't like that, may want to try something else that day. Uh, but we are, we are excited for our football Sunday because it's an opportunity to invite friends, maybe that friends wouldn't normally come to. And so um, I was so encouraged a couple weeks ago, Bradley Neal, who plays baseball at HCC, a freshman this year, came to me a couple uh, weeks ago and said, hey, um, I'd like to invite the baseball team to, to join me for, are we still doing football Sunday? And I said, uh, why? And he goes, because I want to invite friends. Said, yep, we're doing football. Sunday. So, um, no, we had planned it anyway, but, um, it's not that whether they come or not, it's that the heart is, I want to invite my friends. I want to share, uh, God's love, God's church with others. And so anyway, absolutely. We will reserve any section for a group of people. If you want to bring a certain, uh, I don't know if you have a sewing club or something like that. I mean, we'll, we'll do something we'll do for whatever we'll, we'll, we'll do anything for friends for Jesus. So anyway, that's one thing. The other thing I would share is, um, um, Friday, I was just doing some little bit of work, different things. I happened to kind of put my earbuds in. I listened to, you kind of know I like to listen to messages if you've been around here very long, kind of a geek when it comes to that. And I heard the Bible conference out of Bayside Church in Sacramento, and they had four amazing speakers. I mean, Christine Kane, Francis Chan, uh, Mark Clark, and I don't remember the fourth, but there was four incredible, great speakers about just the inspiration of the Word of God and God's Word. And I know many of you have, uh, from a couple weeks ago, really resonated with the first 15. So many have told me, I mean, that's not even part of the message that I preached. I mean, that was a part of a video. I'm like, maybe I just need to plug in a video more often for you guys. Uh, but there's, there's this first 15, giving God the first 15 of your day, giving him your worship, giving him your prayer and spending time in his word, giving the first 15. This is uh, something I want to invite you to um, this Wednesday night for the next four Wednesday nights. I mean, we have every Wednesday night, we have a great middle school. We have great high school uh, ministries. We have great children's ministry. Embrace Grace Ministry starts this Wednesday night. And I just started thinking, why do they get to have all the fun? Why do they get to come midweek? And so, man, I want to invite you this Wednesday night for the next four Wednesday nights. I'm going to share. It was so inspiring and inspirational to me. I think it'd be inspiring to you. So if you're not involved in Embrace Grace, middle school, high school, or children's ministry, I just want to invite you this Wednesday night, 630, for the next four Wednesday nights right here um, in this sanctuary. I'm going to share these four great messages that I really think will inspire you in your love for the Word of God and the importance and uh, the the part that it plays in our lives. So this can be your first time here. You can be here a thousand time. Uh, you're invited. Want to invite you for the next four Wednesday nights to join me here at 630. And we'll get started about 640 because it gives you time to get the kids dropped off and those things. Well, we're in a series, if you're new, called the book of Ezra. 
or it's actually we're calling it our restore series because the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, when they originally were written, they were written together in the Old Testament. Um, Ezra was the writer of both. We're just focusing on Ezra who, who is talking about and uh, giving a, a recording of how the uh, temple of God was restored in Jerusalem. Nehemiah was about how the city was restored and the walls of Jerusalem were restored. And the first thing is, is about rebuilding God's temple, rebuilding God's uh, his, his house. And if you're wondering where are we going, what's this for? You're kind of new here today. What's, what's this have to do with us today in 2023? It's that God wants to restore us. That's the business that he's in. He's wanting to restore our lives. He's wanting to restore families. He's wanting to restore marriages. He's wanting to restore you in your, in, in from addictions, from other things. God is in the business of restoring. And the whole book of Ezra and Nehemiah is a story about God, God restoring his people. It's a recording of God restoring his people. It's a, it's a story of how God moved in the hearts of people who were far from him, who had spent 490 years there. Of, of ignoring God, turning their back on God, walking away from God. And then the last 70 years, they uh, were in exile. They were taken captive by Babylon and then Persia overtook Babylon and they were still in captivity just to a different foreign entity. And God was bringing these people back to him, restoring them, rebuilding them. And I believe that every one of us wants something restored in our life. I don't know you, but I just believe there's things I'm wanting to God to, uh, the, my verse for this year is to restore the joy of our salvation. That we'd ask God to restore the joy of our salvation. He wants to restore joy in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, he wants us to return. I think about my uncle Lee. I haven't shared much about my uncle Lee here, maybe a time or two in my eight years. Um, I don't know my uncle Lee real well, but I do know this. My uncle Lee, the reason I didn't know him that well is because we didn't grow up around uncle Lee. Uncle Lee, when he was 17 years old, my dad had five brothers and one sister. His brother that was one year younger than him, when he was 17 years old, decided to run away from home in Western Nebraska. He just ran away from home. And that was before cell phones, social media, Facebook, things that you could maybe track someone down, find them. He just disappeared. And over the next 20, 25 years, they maybe got one or two notes from him, just letting them drop in a line, saying a telegram, letting them know that I'm okay. But that's all that they heard. And he just disappeared. And I've asked my dad at different times, you know, why didn't you run away? Why, why did everyone else stay? Why did he go? And he was, you know, I, we had a, a good parents. My dad was a hardworking farmer in South in, in uh, Western Nebraska. Uh, you know, your grandma was a good lady. I, I don't know what it was. I do know this. I knew when he went to the price side of the family, man, the cooking was good. Mimi could cook like nobody's business. And when we went to the Peterson side, Grandma Peterson, no one wanted to eat her cooking. <laughs> so I don't know if Uncle Lee left because the meals weren't good and he's going to get something better else. But whatever the case, he left. He moved away. He ran away. But about 20, 25 years later, my dad was about my age. He got this call. And his brother in Washington State got a call. And his brother in Florida got a call because his mom was so excited because her son, Lee, had come home. He had returned home. And he's lived in western Nebraska ever since and lives there to this day. There's an excitement about returning home to where we belong. To being restored and rebuilding our lives. Pastor Nate last week shared in chapter, about chapter 4. 
how, uh, what the journey of restoration looks like and how we're going to face opposition and that you can count on opposition. And I do want to say real quickly, uh, uh, some of you with your notes out there, you like to take notes. You can just put them in your seat for a moment because the notes kind of come at the very end of the message because it's the application part. So there's nothing kind of coming up here for a little bit. We're kind of setting that up uh, for, the, for the end. But Pastor Nate, he talked about how we're going to face opposition. We can count on it. Jesus himself said, you can count on it. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but fear not, I've overcome the world. If you're thinking about coming to Jesus or you're following Jesus and you're signing up because it's going to be easy life, it's not easy. We live in a broken world. Sun shines on the just and the unjust. The rain uh, uh, falls on the just and the unjust. We live in a broken world. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. He, Jesus also said, blessed are you when people persecute you. Say all false evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. There's a reward for persevering. There's a reward for staying faithful. Pastor Nate talked about it this way last week. He said, stay on your ladder. Don't come off the wall. Keep doing the good work that God has in store for you. Because there's enemies, there's an enemy out there fighting against you. And I, I do want to clarify, there's two enemies in our lives. And there's two, uh, not enemies, there's two times that we're, we're opposed, where, where uh, those that come against us. The first one is actually God. God opposes us at times in our life. And it sounds, well, this isn't very loving. This is the, maybe the God you expected that he would oppose us. The psalmist said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God's reason for opposing us is for our good. It, it, it's so that we will turn our lives and come back to him. And that's where the Jews were in Ezra's day. 490 years, they had turned their back on God. They'd walked away from God. They had nothing to do with God. The last 70 years, God let them be turned over to foreign empires, the Babylonians first, then the Persians, and they were in captivity. And God just like, he let them run into walls of resistance. But God's walls of resistance, his opposition, it's for our good. God wants us to turn back to him. He wants us to repent. And I don't know why it is, but so many times people come to Jesus when they're at the end of the rope, when they don't know what else to do, when they've tried everything else. And God is waiting there in his loving arms, waiting for us to turn and go towards him. He wants to change our heart and life. But the moment we change our heart and give him our life to him, the enemy really steps in at that point because that's the other opposition. We have an enemy of our soul. You can call him the devil. You can call him Satan. You can call him his demons. There is an enemy of your soul that is fighting like crazy for you not to have faith in God, for your family not to follow God, for your marriage not to follow God. There's an enemy that's fighting for you even being here in church today. There's an enemy that doesn't want you doing anything that would draw you closer to him. This opposition comes when we turn to God and turn around. And leading up to chapter 5, Opposition stopped the work of rebuilding. What stopped the work of rebuilding? Words. Chapter four last week, it was a letter written to the king to stop the work, the good work that they had returned to God and now they had started this good work and now these words were stopping the work. And they put a stoppage to the work for 16 to 18 years. The work came to a halt because of words. Words. 
Words are powerful. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We heard that growing up. No, sticks and stones may break our bones. Words kill. Words destroy. The Proverbs uh, 18.21 that says that our tongue has the power of life and death. Our, Our words have the ability to destroy things, bring things down. Uh, Our our mouth and our words have the ability to build things up, to create things, to do good things. Words have the power to destroy or to bring life and health. Ultimately, I believe words are what destroys relationships, destroys marriages, destroys families, destroys churches even. Words are what destroy. I also believe that words are what build up. Words are what restore relationships. Words are what restore marriages. Words are what restore churches and families. Especially when we say these two words, I'm sorry. It's amazing what God can do when we repent. James 3, 9 and 10 says this. Half-brother of Jesus said, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. We praise God this morning with our, with our singing and with our worship. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings or each other who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. For the way that we express our love to God is how that we express ourselves to one to another. And James is saying we cannot say that we love God while we're tearing down our brothers and sisters. While we're tearing down our spouse, while we're tearing down our family, while we're tearing down our parents, while we're tearing down our coworkers, while we're tearing down our boss, while we're tearing down our employees, we can't be praising God. We can't bring honor to him when we're tearing others down. Between chapters four and five, 16 to 18 years of work came to a screeching halt and stopped because of words, because of a letter, Words from the enemy stop the work. So today where we're picking things up in chapter five is getting that work restarted. Getting that work to go on. Finishing the work God started in you. That he who's faithful, who started a good work in you is faithful to complete that good work in you and me. I could have titled it, Get Back to Work. I mean, we, God has a work for each of us to do. Have you been, though, through seasons where God's work in your life seemed to just come to a stop? Times in your life, I know there's been times in my life where I just feel like everything's come to a halt. Doesn't feel like God's working. Doesn't feel like he's moving. There's a song we sing about that. Even when we don't see that he's working, even when we don't see that God's moving, he never stops working. But there's times that we sense and we feel like God has just stopped working. Maybe you're in a situation right now. Maybe you came in here today and you feel like God's not working. It's not working for me. Maybe it's working for everyone else, but it's not working for me. And then we get discouraged. And discouragement leads to us wanting to quit. If there's one thing the enemy wants you and me to do, he wants us to get discouraged and quit. In 1996, great year, by the way, year that I got married to Heather, uh, but also the year that John Elway and the Denver Broncos in 1996 had a really good season. Now, you're probably thinking about tuning out now. Just indulge me for a moment. All you Chiefs fans and Bengal, you get to live in the present. I have to live in the past. And some of my good stories, I have to go back a long, long ways. In 1996, John Elway and the Denver Broncos, they were 
facing the same opponent you faced last week, the Jacksonville Jaguars, in the same round, the divisional round. The difference was, it was like year two of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They'd only been, they were a startup team along with the Carolina Panthers. They'd only been around a couple years. Denver had a, there's a day that Denver used to win. They were 13 and three. They had the best record in the NFL and they had the home field advantage throughout the playoffs and in the divisional round, first game of the playoffs, Jacksonville comes in with a guy named Mark Brunel and, and they beat us 30 to 27. I remember where I was. We lived in Minnesota at the time. We were in South Dakota. Heather was playing in a volleyball tournament. They wanted her on the team, but they didn't want me. And so I wouldn't even go watch. I mean, if they didn't want me on the team, I'm not going. So I stayed and I watched the game. And I watched in that hotel room with about 20 inches of snow coming down. And I watched the Broncos lose to a team that they were not supposed to lose to. I'm not going to lie. I felt like crying. I don't know if I did. It's been too long for me to remember. But I have heard the story about how John Elway how one of the few times that his kids ever saw him cry was after that loss. And I know that some of you Chiefs fans are thinking, yes, horse face, Elway, he was a crybaby. Um, he literally cried on this time and, his, and, he, and he told his family he was done, he was gonna quit, it was over. And, I, and somehow he didn't give in to that discouragement and they came back and they won back-to-back Super Bowls. I know that doesn't impress you, but it makes me happy in, inside today. My point is this. How many times do we miss out on God's greatest victories in our life because we give in to discouragement? We give in to frustration. We give in to the accusations of the enemy. That's where, that's where they, find them, they find themselves here. Ezra chapter 5 is a call to persevere, to stay on the ladder, to not get off the wall. James 1 and 2 and 3 tells it this way. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I have a love-hate relationship with this verse. Because no one really considers going through trials and tests as a thing of joy. But the second part of the verse helps us understand why. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance has to happen in our lives for us to be mature and complete, for us to not lack anything. We have to grow in maturity. And I don't know anyone that grows in maturity who walks on easy street. And I don't know anybody that walks on easy street. All of us go through things in our life. And we can either allow God to use those times of perseverance to make us stronger or to make us bitter. To, to make us better or to make us bitter. To show us that he wants to do a work within us. He wants to make us stronger and come out on the other side better. So how do we restart the work that was stopped? How do we restart the same thing that got us in that place? Words. Words stop the work. Now words, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like that. We got a little beat. Dustin, can we come on back up here and get started? We got a little beat going on. Didn't know what that. I thought someone was walking on the roof. I love it. I love it. Hey, um, I, 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 Ezra 5, chapter 1 and 2 the work stopped in chapter four because of words. And now the work starts in chapter five because of words, because of God's word. 
God's word restarted. So chapter five, verse one and two says this. Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Idu, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, and Joshua, son of Josadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them and supporting them. Now Haggai and Zechariah. This is important. Haggai and Zechariah were the pastors, the prophets, the evangelists of God in that day, along with Ezra. In fact, you'll see uh, there's two other books in the Bible, in the Old Testament. There's Zechariah and there's Haggai. And they they were living in this time and God restarted the work with these prophets, with these preachers sharing God's word. They begin to share the truth of God's word. And if you get a chance, you could go read on your own this week. They're very short books. But if you look at Zechariah and if you look at um, Haggai this week, you'll see what the message that they were preaching to the people here. In Zechariah chapter one, verses three summarizes everything Zechariah was trying to say. Return to me and I will return to you. He's saying return to God and God will return to you. The word says, if we'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. God is waiting to draw near to us. But he's also a gentleman. And he responds when we draw near to him. God is waiting there for us. And Zechariah is like, return to me. And Haggai, the main message of that was, hey, you all are building your own homes. You're building your houses. You're restoring Jerusalem. You've built your houses and homes. While my house remains in ruins, remains rubble. How about you get back to building my house first? And friends, we'll never go wrong when we build the house of the Lord first. When I'm talking about the house of the Lord, I'm not talking about a physical building. I'm talking about our bodies that are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We'll never go wrong building God's house first, putting him first, something we've been talking about. God's word is powerful. It changes us. And these prophets begin to speak. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful. God's word has power to change. And don't miss in chapter 5, the way that the work restarted, the way the rebuilding resumed, was God's word, was God speaking. I want to get a couple more things real quickly, just on these, these two verses are so rich. You'll see at the first it says, Now Haggai and Zechariah. And then verse 2 it says, Then Zerubbabel and Joshua. Zerubbabel and Joshua were the builders. They play an important role. They, they needed to do their part. They were the civil kind of, on the civil side of things. Haggai and Zechariah, they were the prophets of God. They were the word of God. And the word of God comes first. If you want your life to be rebuilt, to be restored, you have to start on a solid foundation. Don't go to work first. So many times we try to work to earn God's favor, his salvation, his love, and and we'll never earn it. We'll never deserve it. It starts on his word that he loves us, that he died for us. It starts on his promise. You'll build your life when we build it on his word. Then God can do a great work. Remember, we've been saying this a lot. Remember, God has to do a great work in you before he can do a great work through you. God used the prophets to speak the word and restart the work. And a little formula is, is right here. is just the word plus the work equals God with you. God's word or the word, Jesus Christ. Jesus was 
word in the flesh, the word plus work. If you, this isn't earning salvation. This isn't working toward earning God's favor. If you want to put grace plus faith equals God with you, that would work as well. That, that there's a part that we play. The work that we, that we put into it is by faith, believing what God did for us, by faith, accepting his rich love for us. Then God's with us. As you leave here today, you'll see two verses that are very important to our church that we say all the time that we want people to know that God is for them. You're watching online, you're in this room. We want you to know that God is for you. And the verse says that if God is for you, who can be against you? We believe that with all our heart because we believe it's in the word. But there's a difference between God being for you and God being with you. God for you is for everyone. John 3.16 tells us for, God was in favor of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not die but have everlasting life. God's for everyone doing that, but not everyone receives that. The Jews in Ezra, there was 2 million at the time, only 50,000 or one in every 40 accepted God's invitation and call to go back, to return to him and restore it. Initially, there was more that came later. But initially there was one in 40, only 50,000 out of 2 million that came. God's invitation is for everybody. It's for our neighbors, it's for our friends, it's for our coworkers, it's for the Muslims, it's for the Jews, it's for the Hindus. God is for everyone. But it doesn't mean he's with everyone. The way that God is with us is when we receive that he's for us. We accept by faith his death on the cross for us. We accept his path of salvation. Then God is with us. I want to see a couple more things real quick. This one and two is so good. Uh, number two in this, if you want to follow in your notes, God uses preaching to restore and rebuild lives. God, he didn't start with, hey, get to work. He started with the word. He started with his word. He used the prophets to begin to preach to them. Good preaching. And you might have to go outside sometimes to get that or get online or whatever. I, don't, I mean, God uses not even great preaching. God uses preaching. I don't know why he does, but God uses preaching to help restore and rebuild lives. That's why I believe it's important to be a part of a church where we're opening up the word, where we're hearing God speak through his messengers, his, uh, his flawed, imperfect, far from, uh, far from perfect messenger. But God uses that. God uses that to restore lives. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the early church, uh, that's where they launched and really began to take off because it said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. what they do? They got, they got their lives centered in the word of God, in the teaching of God, in the fellowship of the believers. That's why the church is so important. The last thing I would say is this. You need God's word. Good pastors and a good church. It tells us that the hand of God was on them, that he was with them. The church is God's plan to build your faith. The church is God's plan to rebuild marriages, to be rebuild families, to reconcile lives to him. And you need God's word, good pastors and a good church because verse three is coming. One and two is great. The rebuilding started. But now we see in verse three, opposition returns. 
We don't just face opposition one time when we're done. We face opposition against the enemy our whole life. He's fighting against us. In verse 3, it says, At that time, Tetanai, governor of trans-Euphrates, and Sheltar, Bozini, and if you say it really fast, no one knows if you pronounce it right. And their associates went to them and asked, Who authorized you to build this temple and to finish it? And they also asked, What are the names of those who are constructing this building? But the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews, and they were not stopped until a report could go out to Darius, and his written reply would be received. Chapter 4, the work stopped for 16 years. Now they restarted the work at the power of God's word, and they didn't go back into work stoppage for another 16 years. The work continued. Why did the work continue? Because the eyes of the Lord were on them. The eyes of their God was on them. You know, the enemy tries to stop the work the same way he tries to stop the work in you. He brings out these accusations that we see. Who do you think you are? Who authorized you to do the work? I know you're like me. We have a battlefield that going on in a mind up here that often tells us we're not good enough. We're not qualified enough. Who are we? What authority do we have? And, and you, we, we all sh- have those thoughts that play and replay in our mind. And the enemy likes to use those accusations. He's really good at saying, who do you think you are? Who, who authorized you for this work? The enemy is good at connecting us to our past sins. He's good at defining us by our past failures. He's good at putting doubts that divide us from having faith in God. How do you defeat the enemy? You need the Lord's eyes on you. You need his hand on you. You need to know your true identity. How do we do that? What is the the eyes of the Lord? The eyes of the Lord is simply the grace of God. We all need the grace of God. Grace is something we can't earn. Grace isn't something we deserve. It's a gift that's given to us. And the eyes of the Lord were on them. They were receptive to that grace. And we, we do well when we receive that grace. The eyes of the Lord is the grace of God. And secondly, to know your true identity. To know whose you are. Look how the Jews responded in Ezra chapter 5. And we'll close with this. Chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Here's... Here's that negative report that was going out from the enemy. The report they sent to him read as follows. To King Darius, cordial greetings. By the way, the enemy will not come in any other way but come across nice and inviting. And this is going to be good. And I'm a nice guy. Cordial greetings. The king should know that we went to the district of Judah. To the temple of the great God, the people are building it with a large stones and placing the timbers in the walls. The work is being carried on with diligence and is making rapid progress under their direction. The enemy hates progress in your life. The enemy hates progress in our lives. And it's obvious to him. And when we're going the right direction, the enemy hates it. He's against it. We question the elders and ask them. Who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? We asked them their names so that they could write down the names of their leaders for your information. This is the answer they gave us, and this is the best part. We are servants of the God of heaven and earth. We are servants of the God of heaven and earth. We are servants of God most high. We are his 
When, when they knew their identity, there was great power. They weren't on standing on their own authority. They were standing on the authority of God. And when we stand behind the cross, we are standing on the authority of Jesus Christ, not our own authority. And we are standing because we know whose we are, that we're a child of God, that we're a servant of his. In the New Testament, remember what, how Paul would introduce himself in his writings? He says, as a servant of Jesus Christ. Peter did the same thing as a servant of Jesus Christ. James, the half-brother of Jesus. And if you ever think God, Jesus isn't who he says he is, just think about his half-brother who said, a servant. Would your brother ever say to you, I'm your servant, <laughs> I'm here to serve you? James became a believer because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, he was not just brother anymore. He says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of the God most high. When we know whose we are, there is such power in that. My prayer for us, friends, is that in this series, I believe that God wants to restore us. I believe he's doing some re restorative work in your lives and my lives because I believe in the power of God's word. I don't understand always how it works. But I believe when we open up God's word, we share God's word, we read God's word. I believe that God works in our lives when we lay his word as our foundation. When we lay as our foundation, Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. I believe that God wants to restore us. He wants to do new things in our lives this year, in our marriages, in our families in our workplaces, in our own lives. I believe he wants to restore joy, the joy of our salvation. I believe God wants to do that, but it's founded on the authority of Jesus Christ and his word and knowing whose we are. If you'll stand with me this morning. With your head bowed and your eyes closed this morning, as we always do, just want to have the privilege of praying for us before we leave today. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed this morning. God's working in your heart and in your life. He's speaking to you. He's inviting you. He's giving you clear invitations. Maybe it's sometimes by that beating of your heart. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to know it all. But you know that God is wanting to restore some things in your life this year. So your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Not going to embarrass anyone, but you just want me to pray for you that God would restore some things in your life. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's other things. And some of your hands are already going up, but you're just, your hands, you want to raise your hands today. No one's looking around, but you're like, God, I need you to restore me. I need you to restore someone. I need you to restore something. God, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what you're going to do, but thank you, Lord, for these hands right now that are reaching out to you saying, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. You can put your hands down. I don't know how it's going to happen. But God, by an act of faith, like the one in 40 that came back, like the 50,000 that said, I need you. I want to come back to you. Restore me. Restore my family. Restore my marriage. Restore the things in my life the enemy has taken. God, start that work in me. Lord, I'm getting back on the ladder today and I'm not coming down. And I'm not going to give in to the devil's discouragement, the frustration. Not going to give in to the accusations. I'm going to accept by faith your grace and your love for me.
for my situation, for my family, for my loved one. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed today, no one looking around again, not going to embarrass anyone, but today... God's inviting you to return to him. Maybe you've walked away and it's time to return. Maybe you've never received him, but today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that can be the best day of your life as you start that journey with him. Not by something you've done or could do, but by accepting by faith the grace of his love. That's you today. I'm just gonna count to three. I've been doing this each week. I'm gonna count to three. No one's looking around, just you, me, and God. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you. But I count to three. By faith, that's you. Make, you're, you're making a move to God. God's moved in your heart. Would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Raise them high. Raise them there. Yes, yes. Oh, more than a dozen. Maybe 20. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down. Whether you put your hand up or didn't, but you wanted to maybe, We're just believing that God is going to restore lives this year. We believe that people are returning to God and he's got a better future for us than we had for us because we're committing our lives to him. I'm going to ask you to open your eyes. We've been praying a prayer. It's a a prayer that I've been starting to pray as a statement of my faith, a statement confirming. I don't want these words to ever just to be said out of my mouth. What's important is that we believe them. But there are those that are praying this maybe for the first time today. We don't want them to pray it alone. We want to celebrate this together. So I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me this simple prayer. Believe it in your heart. The scripture says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that we will be a child of God. So let's pray this in faith. Believe this after me. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those who said this for the first time and prayed this today? God is doing a good work for this many to come out on a 10 degree morning. God is doing a good work. I'm gonna let pastor Brandon finish us out today. I